Kelly McFerrin with me, and yeah, we're talking about the um, when is when is the actual election in the states? I think it's the sixth of next month. So um, it's coming. It's like twenty days left or something. Does it excite you? Uh, it's funny. Everyone got to the point where it was like it's over. Or Romney has no chance, and then that debate happens, and all of a sudden Romney's like winning. <laughs> So now everyone's scared. Now it's like really intense. So. Was that a bit of a desperate call to ask for the black vote? Is that something that, that was that a last resort kind of, you know, black people have got to go out and vote? Um, well, he's the stats show that he has 100% of the black vote. Right. <laughs> but they just got to go out and they vote. They just got to go out. But the, the big advantage Obama has is they've been doing, there's a lot of states where you can vote early. Like you've been able to vote already for a week or two in a couple of states. So... They're really organized, and so it looks like they they're gonna crush it on the early voting. And I think people are gonna go. It, it might have been good that Romney kind of riled everyone up because now everyone that was kind of you know maybe on the fence about I don't even need to go to vote because it's not gonna be close. I think people are gonna come out now. So it's yeah. scary though, man. I, he needs a second term. He really does because he needs to. Let his he needs to grow his afro out <laughs> and like really just be himself. I think he had to compromise and seem too safe for a lot of that first term. Have you met him? I've been at one um, fundraiser because uh, my mom did a lot of fundraising for him the first term, so she was on like a special like committee of people. So when he did this thing in New York, we all got to go. It was crazy. It was all like athletes, Carmelo Anthony and the New York Jets and everybody were there. And Obama's just like a, the coolest dude, man. Every he, You could tell that he's cooler if you could actually just chill with him, you know, in person without cameras and stuff there. He'd, he'd be much cooler than he even seems on TV. But the other thing is my, my mom, she was the... Uh, she babysat this family of like six girls in Chicago when she was growing up and they all ended up in politics and then one of them uh, ended up being like Michelle Obama's best friend growing up so they've known the Obamas since they were like you know they held his very first political fundraising event when he was running for senate at their house and they're like best friends so I know people that know him really, really well and say, like, he's a really good dude. Because I think when he came out of nowhere, people were like, who is this guy? Seems a little good, bit too good to be true. But uh, I guess he's a pretty legit guy. I'm always quite amazed. I don't think it happens here. Well, they, they, they do sort of events for the prime minister or for the queen. You know, we have our MBEs and all that stuff, the sort of system. But... Um, you sort of read and see these sort of events that take place at the White House and Esperanza Spalding's performing mm-hmm. there and suddenly open a fire doing a gig there. They seem to have quite a good entertainment. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> Is that, yeah, has your dad played that? Has he done it? Um, I'll, I'll tell you the craziest thing I've ever been involved with it has to do with the White House. So Bill Clinton was a fan of my dad's right so he he performed at his like inauguration and everything and the craziest thing he ever got asked to do was they had a party at the white house for the millennium like 2000 you know turning into the year 2000 and uh i got to go to that 
And that's probably the height of like American like excellence was that era. Like 9-11 hadn't happened yet. Bill Clinton in the White House. Did he get killing. <laughs> Did he get his own out? <laughs> he might have. It, it was like it was like a legit house party. There was like DJs and you know, I was pr- I was pretty young, but I was like, yo, this is insane. I was actually really paranoid that something horrible was gonna happen because I was on my a big conspiracy theory kick right now, right about then. Right. But um it was really weird, man. You know, I'll never be at anything like that again, probably. First time I saw you, first time I saw you was, um, yeah, I'm going to get used to this as well, <laughs> um, was um, Joe's, Joe's Bar. Joe's oh, yeah, Pub. Joe's Pub. Joe's Pub. I remember that. In New York City. And that was, what, five years ago? Something like that, yeah. And it was a great show. And I remember that was that was a great blast. And so since then, it's been bubbling. Mm-hmm. Obviously, quite a lot of tracks you've done here and there. I mean, yeah, there was that 12-inch you released. Mm-hmm. What was the first 12-inch called? That was Broken, Broken Vibes. Broken Vibes. Yeah. That, was that the first thing? That was, well, the first, not really. That was my first solo project. But I had bands before that, but... You know, once I started doing solo stuff, that was my first release. Yeah. Can you listen back to that? Are you still proud of that one? Have you listened to it? Could you put that? Would you put it on a, a free download at this stage in your life? Um, I don't ever bring it out to sell at shows. I feel like when I finally have a full length record that I'm selling, then I'll go back and be happy and be proud of that stuff again. But for now, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm proud of it, but I never listen to it like on my own time. I never like throw it on and check it out. Uh, so it's not a, so it's part of your uh, you know upbringing in music and yeah. it's something that you you know that was part of where you're at now an important part of it well the important part of it was um, I kind of discovered a, a technique for recording with that record that I still use you know where it's just do lay down some either beatboxing or, or tracks real quick come up with some chord changes and then just like the studio flow that I use on that record is I kind of discovered how music can come to me the easiest because sometimes I think when you're in the studio um, a lot of producers you try to you're the ha- you're the most proud of tracks that were the hardest for you to make <clears throat> but sometimes it's the stuff that's actually the easiest for you to make that's the most you so I think that record kind of was a tipping point for me in that regard Oh, 
um, in conversation with Taylor McFerrin, recently signed to Brain Feeder Records and uh, been putting out some amazing records for quite a few years on different labels. Um, also a great track last year with uh, Akela Singer as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, the song of Riot. Yeah. yeah. On Brain Feeder. Um, that was a great track. Yeah, a place in my heart. I was, I'm really, really proud of that because um, it was a really different sound for me you know like all guitars and stuff and uh riot she's from philly and my family lived down in philly um i was in a band called uh the cell theory that was kind of based in philly um we played there we had like you know a bi-weekly gig there for about a year or two years and um so she was part of just like the philly crew that used to come to the shows all the time she'd always sit in so much energy always wanted to collab you know she's one of those artists where like we always said we wanted to collab at some point and we never did you know like four years later i was sitting on that track for a couple months and um i realized she'd be perfect for it and she totally you know knocked it out of the park and um it was just it came together just really naturally did you both sign to brain feeder because of that song because you both sort of seem to sign to brain feeder (laughs) at the same sort of time um I, one thing I can say about Riot is she gets in the mix. You know, she's not afraid to like jump in. So when I, you know, me and Lotus had kind of this casual internet friendship. Um, like since Broken Vibes came out, you know, he hit me up out of the blue, like, yo, I dig this, you know, and um, saw him a couple times out on tour. And so I had a gig in LA and he had meant to come through, but he didn't come to the gig and he emailed or he facebooked me like yo sorry i didn't make it but i'll be there next time and then we started you know he, then he was like what kind of music are you working on i sent him i had just finished that song and a couple others and i sent him that and he's like yo man you should put something out in brain feeder and i was like actually that would be amazing and um i think you know so riot was on that song i think riot uh was at the time doing a live version of one of his songs from Cosmogramma. I, I remember he like posted a video like this is dope and I think she just like straight moved to LA within like <laughs> two months you know and like was all up in the scene you know finished her record and um I think you know since she was on that song they knew each other I think uh it just kind of worked naturally from there.
I met her um, in Japan the other day. She did a show mm-hmm. um, with me there, and we spent a night, a um, couple of days, not a night, <laughs> in that way. But um, yeah, she was crazy and and, and really interesting, brilliant person, and um, incredible musician and all rounder. So confident and so talented. And uh, in a way, when you and her both signed to Brainfeeder recently, especially alongside the Thundercats. The, I say the more musical, slightly more adult mm-hmm. of the signings. It was quite interesting, the balance with the sort of more electronic, mm-hmm. producer-producer type-led projects. So in a way, it's, that's what I love so much about Brain Feeder is mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's quite wide in terms of the amount of music that it's covering. Yeah, it's really inspirational because I don't understand how some of the cats on the music in on the label make their music at all and i really like that and you know having someone like thundercat that's like a legit prodigy on his instrument um is just something cool to to witness you know you go to a show people are playing beats that are like destroying the sound system and then he gets up there and he's like can hang with any era of jazz cats and just like killing it on the bass so it's cool i mean i think it it goes to show, um, you know, I think Steve, uh, I, think, I think Lotus is really open to all types of music. So I think he wanted people on the label that are just kind of doing their own thing. You know, um, he definitely told me uh, just to, to put out the record that I want to put out. Don't try to make it like a brain feeder album. So that's been really Cool. Yeah, it's a great roster. Jeremiah J. You got Teebs on there. Love Teebs, man. Yeah, Teebs is the cool. Is the coolest cat. they're all really uh they're all really cali vibes too um i grew up in california so every time i hang out with them i'm like oh man these dudes are their sense of humor is very california just like super weird um and, and laid back so it's it's a real family vibe i mean uh, lotus just and Gaslamp just did kind of their record release parties in new york about a week ago and um 
everyone's just so they're like legit friends you know it's not like a label these days that's super corporate and everyone's basically a, a bedroom producer <laughs> that hang out you know at each other's houses and and I, you know i've been toying with moving to la so i could maybe be a part of that a little bit but um Are you the only east coast brain feeder artist at the moment um there's people that aren't that don't live in la i know they just signed this group called the underachievers that are from brooklyn um and i think it's kind of expanding it's not gonna be just an la thing but the music scene out there is so crazy right now i definitely want to at least be there more often and uh at the moment you're in brooklyn yeah i've been in brooklyn for like 13 years now and that seems to be active right i mean definitely more than manhattan yeah well i think la's it's more of the uh community aspect that's really taken hold you know and i feel like um london when the the broken beat scene was like smashing it out here my interpretation i i wasn't here that much but my interpretation was everyone was really friends and they're all hanging out at you know the jazz refresh parties and like uh you know going to the same clubs and they're all like friends aside from all being very talented and i think that is what uh is going on in la right now i think new york people tend to be um a little more competitive maybe maybe that's maybe that's not true maybe i'm just like chilling in my house and not <laughs> hanging out with people as much but you can sense that everyone in la is like legit legitimately friends and and i felt that when i do shows there because all these people i've never really met come to my gig you know artists that i respect they're just like oh taylor's in town let me check it out you know new york i think people have uh you know it's new york he'll be in town like some other time i don't have to go tonight um so you know i think it's there's special moments in time when there's that that crew of people that are all like on each other's records um because I felt like before London had that vibe, it was like the Soulquarians were carrying that torch, you know, when you felt like all these people that their individual projects were amazing, but they were all, you know, collaborating. So I feel like that specific, you know, thing that is kind of magical that only tends to happen, you know, rarely is happening in L.A. And I think Brain Feeder is definitely a big part of it. You know, bitch, I'm on some grown shit. Ha. Yeah, yeah, play at your own risk. I like you know, bitch, I'm on some grown shit. It's the Thelonious Super Microphones. You know what's the scrap shit, we bought to own it. You know it, it's many me's trying to clone us. I got a bonus for the bitch that run a bonus. I got a bonus for your bitch that run a bonus. It's the Thelonious Super Microphones. Uh, no time to sleep, cause if you sleep, you don't eat. Got a whole heat just to make ends meet. Niggas living on the street by other niggas' feasts. I with you, it ain't I with me, right? Gotta make money all my life. Gotta stay fucking bitches many types. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yup, stay turning these bitches out. Dick them down, also dick them out. Those duck down whenever my dick's out. They know me, so they restructure and reroute. They know me from Washington to down south. All the way to London to my niggas' common house, right? It's like a game we never played out, 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 nigga, no out. doubt. Nigga, get live, you knock the fuck out. Word up, just be about what you about, dog. You know what I'm saying? Just play at your own risk. And like you know, bitch, I'm on some grown shit. It's the Thelonious Super Microphones. You know us, this rap shit, we about to own it. 
you know it, cause you can feel it in your throat. Say it, I'm about to let my mind flow. Say it, get your third eye poke. Fuck game, I assemble dope. Ness, a nigga that's fresh as the fast. Study this rap shit, no need to my test. You can feel it in your chest. Yo, B.I., feel it in her breast. Plus you, rhyme like a nigga with his nipples pierced. We lick off lyrics in the streets and real niggas here is dreaming when I wrote this. Box me if I go too wild. Still doing this shit like dude in wild style. Inviting whack niggas to dinner. I trick daddy MCs and I don't know. Nah, nigga, who can take it where I take it? You better go into God like Mace did. Leaving crowds complacent. I move them above clouds, whether on some serpent turf shit or thug style. You can feel it in your body. Yeah, y'all, you can feel it in your body. Like if a 12 gauge shotty shell hit your body. Y'all you wanna need to find your ass hot. Copy, copy, these niggas trying to clone us. You know us, the lonely us, super microphone. You know this rap shit we bought to own, dog. Flying Lotus is still waiting for your records because I I spoke to him recently I and I said give me the give me give me Taylor's album. <laughs> he was like I'm waiting for it. I know <clears throat> they've been cool. Um, you know I've got like a a list in front of me of like 30 tracks. Um, I think a trap I've kind of fallen into in this last year is I've done a lot of solo shows where it's like <clears throat> improvised shows. I've gotten so good at like making tracks from scratch and coming up with ideas, but really f- completely finishing stuff is like so hard for me. And I think on this record, um, <clears throat> I'm singing a bit, trying to do vocal stuff, and that's brought up this whole psychologically like it feels like I'm starting over. Like when I when I first started making tracks and you know, didn't want to play it to anybody, I'm kind I I had to go all the way back there with that side of it. So you know, it's kind of realizing my limitations but trying to put something out that i'm proud of within where i'm at vocally which has kind of been the the hardest part for this record but um i did bring some stuff for you today so we can play some of it yeah that's good <laughs> that's good should we should we play some of it now and then maybe talk about it you up for that sure yeah
it's really interesting you bringing up the broken beak thing as well because that was a movement here and it was a movement in a way that is what joins you with that's sort of that was your entrance in a way with broken vibes was mm. broken beat in a way and that was the inspiration or it felt that it was the american a, a sort of a, a version of that a little bit mm. what you your 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 way of approaching it and uh, and obviously now you've brain feeder so you've you've kind of you make that connection between that era and the now era which mm. is which is quite interesting and the other thing about you which is which is um amazing is that you are bang in the middle of jazz and electronic so you know one minute you're doing Robert Glasper the next minute you're talking about Tebes and your album you just played us a song is sounding like you're nicely in that yeah space yeah I mean I'm not thinking about it you know strategically in that way but I, I, I've been in you know involved in all those scenes and um in a natural way just the people that i've met over the years so it's hard not to be influenced by you know the other people that you're constantly hanging with and people playing your music um and i you know i was introduced to this whole scene um by a friend of mine hayden i I sent you uh his man child track which he put on brownswood He's really the one that put me up on the whole like London scene, um, and so I, I would say the inspiration sometimes for me has come from just like a friend that's like you know more up on stuff than I am that's like putting me on to stuff. Oh, 
Well, you've been putting me on to a lot of stuff because you put me on to Hayden. Yeah. You put me on to Hiatus. Coyote. Coyote. Because yep. you told me about them how long, I mean, you were in Australia touring, right? Is that what happened? Yeah. It was, I guess it was like six months ago. Um, yeah, they were opening up for me and like I rolled up and they were in the middle of their set and I was like, yo, I can't even go on stage after these cats because their, their musicianship live is like really off the charts. And all it's, you know, Napalm is a lead singer, and then there's three um, guys, you know, there's a drummer, keyboard player, bass player, um, and they're, but you can tell they're all producers. They're really, um, you can just tell that they are really up on production, even the way they play live, you know. They know how to, like, chop up the drums to sound like it's sampled, and uh, they got the Ableton Live with all the effects. But the musicianship in that band is really, really blew me away. So I was like, yo, what is up with you guys? Who are you? And they're like, oh, yeah, we started playing together like eight months ago. Uh, we just put out an EP. I was like, are you serious? Like eight months ago? Um, you guys need to be out in the world because you're crushing almost every band I've seen in the last few years. So I just, you know, I've actually never really taken it upon myself to spread music um, of a particular band the way I did with them because I just felt like they didn't even realize how how much better they are than most of the bands that are out there and now it's really like accelerating I mean, everyone's kind of up on them right now or getting getting up on them i heard that, <laughs> I heard that. Well, I heard it. when erica badu and Questlover are on it then yeah. you know you've sort of yeah. gone to that next level haven't yeah. you well good for them and so this is a track which uh, is from your and for your forthcoming album mm -hmm. featuring napalm of hiatus kod uh it's called the antidote
Taylor McFerrin with me and um, beautiful track featuring Napalm. She's just got an amazing vibe. Mm. Um, Melbourne, right? Melbourne. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it was funny being in the studio with her because we were both really nervous to work with each other. We, you know, both times we've had gigs together, um, we've really got along. She's like really awesome, really nice. But we had kind of this weird mutual respect where we were nervous that the other person wasn't going to like. I, I didn't think she was going to like the track. She didn't think, you know, I was going to like the vocals. And then we got in there and we, we banged the track out in like a couple hours. And um, she's... I couldn't be more pleased with the way she approached it. I think her her vocal approach is really um it's it's very unique and very like playful, but also like really advanced. And I think she's another she's an artist kinda like me that technically might not be trained, but is uh just goes for it, you know, for more of like a this feels right type of approach. So I I, I feel like I'm lucky to get her on a track before they get too big she's you know asking for 50,000 a track or something <laughs> okay let's just get one thing straight for you because this must be really difficult for you I'd say I don't know but I mean I don't get the feeling that it is because you're making such delightful sublime music but you are the son of Bobby McFerrin and you're talking about technique and not having had the technique or the education mm-hmm. technique education for yourself but your dad is Bobby McFerrin mm-hmm. and your grandfather was the first African-American uh, opera singer at the New York Metropolitan Opera. And what was his name? Robert McFerrin. Amazing. <laughs> right, so that, that's your family, right? Yeah. Now, how difficult does that make it for you, in a way? Or, da- or did, it, did it take you a while to kind of to just find yourself amongst that kind of weight of global, world-class talent? Um, I think it's, it's had a big effect on me in a lot of ways a um you know i basically grew up going to shows going to like all types of shows that he's doing his solo vocal stuff jazz concerts the whole vibe of like hanging out backstage with a bunch of cats you know that's like basically how i grew up so that i think that's what attracts me to being a musician you know i understand that world um pressure wise uh i think it's a a big reason why it takes me so long to put stuff out um i'd never want to put out something that seems really amateurish and especially with this record you know i'm trying to do some vocal stuff on it (laughs) so i'm just not i'm really not trying to to play myself um but on the other side of it you know my dad does kind of these improvised solo shows where he just gets on stage and like lets his music kind of flow out and I've kind of taken that approach with my show except more on a production level where I go out my little beat machine Ableton Fender Rhodes and I, I kind of build stuff from scratch and just like let the music come out how it's going to be that's been a big influence um, but also I think I made a very conscious decision early on that I wasn't gonna try to necessarily follow in his footsteps or even ask for help my dad kind of makes fun of me because I, I never have ever asked for him to like teach me anything <laughs> which is probably really stupid um i've kind of avoided that you know i remember some kids were like kind of making fun of me in school like that i thought i was so cool because who my dad was and i really took that to heart and i was like 
you know, I'm never gonna try to use his name to just like get anything. And then when music became what I wanted to do, I, I think I, I consciously tried to choose a path that was almost opposite. So at first, I, I really just wanted to be in the studio, you know, doing instrumentals, making beats, not even doing vocals. But, you know, I was in so many bands over the years, I kind of fell in love with being on stage <laughs> and being a performer. So, you know, it's been a long path to get to the point where I feel like I'm just a musician. This is what I do. You know, I love sharing my music. Um, do you get nervous if he comes to a show? Has he, been, has he seen you perform I, Yeah, I can't even... I, I don't even really invite him to shows. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I want to go to that collaboration between you and him. That's got to happen one day, right? That when you're both impro improvising together. Yeah, I, to have be honest... That? Yeah, we have. Um, he usually calls me up to do one song if I go to his shows. And um, we've had some really, really actually amazing moments because I've been to probably a couple hundred of his shows so I feel like I'm a band member that like knows him really well <laughs> so when we collab it's like it feels like we've rehearsed and um it's really cool I mean I, I think I'm to the point now where I'm like look my dad is he's on a whole nother level of musicianship uh I think I've put in the work <laughs> in my in my life to be proud of where I'm at you, you know I, I don't really aspire to be you know a legend <laughs> the way that he is he's a special person you know a special talent and I think I've kind of carved my own path enough where I, I don't have I'm kind of over that you know but what's your favorite Bob McFerrin album um I would say his first one that's just titled under his own name that's the one with Jubilee on it and Dance With Me and all that stuff. Yeah, Moon Dance and stuff. Oh, my God. Um, that one's special for me because that came out the year that I was born. So it has this really weird vibe to it to me where, like, some, it's like my earliest sensory memories of just, like, hearing that music. Um, I remember buying that when it came out yeah. and playing it. It's crazy. It's really, really good. <laughs> and um, there's a song in there called uh, Sightless Bird, which I think is one of my dad's best uh, songs that he ever wrote and um, then on the I also really love the voice which was like his solo uh, performance kind of live album and then there's an album after that called Spontaneous Inventions Blue Note which those all hold like a special place for me because um, it's like when I lived in San Francisco it's like my whole childhood wrapped up into like a couple of records but um, a lot of my best memories of my dad are our are, are live show things i mean he he kind of like he goes out on stage and he waits for something kind of magic to happen and you know not every show is as amazing as every other one but there's been a couple moments at some of his shows where i'm just like you know this is a really special moment that you could all experience if you were there at that moment I sit alone among pine and 
thought I'm looking for an empty space A living and breathing place A bit of sustaining Exchange graceful lilting melodies with a sightless bird. My unfettered spirit taking flight, telling my secrets to unsighted friends. I lay my back upon a cool moss tree Looking out towards the sky I can see clouds roll by I can feel tension die And I lay my head upon pillowed hands Beside this bird sings to Sometimes may seem too real Out here I bait all my troubles by And exchange graceful lilting melodies With a sightless bird My unfettered spirit taking Telling my secrets to one-sided friends
Okay, that's one thing. And the other thing we're doing, we do a thing. I do a thing every week or so, which is called significant album. Is there an album that you reckon that um, that you would always, um, you know, that you'd like to go, that you'd like more people to know about? Is there something you, if you were a radio presenter, you go, oh, yeah, they should know about this record? An yeah, album, definitely. Uh, I gotta shout out my my homie Hayden for putting me up on this one, uh, who you know from the Manchild track. Um, uh, Arthur Verakai. Uh, actually, actually no, actually he didn't put me up on that one. I got, I learned that one from working at a record store and when who who re released that? Yeah, um, Ubiquity. Ubiquity. It. I actually that's not the record I meant. That's that's. 1A for my favorite Brazilian mm. record. Uh, Cesar Mariano, Sao Paulo, Brazil is is 1B for just like maybe the best Brazilian synth soul record that just like is going to be in my top 10 forever, I think. Um, it's definitely, you know, I've met a lot of musicians and DJs and people that, um, and, and that's the one that Hayden put me up on. Um that record is just like stands with like Herbie Hancock's like classics to me. You know, it's just like Fender Rhodes, old analog synths. Uh, they play a lot of stuff in seven eight, but it's so like smooth that you don't even realize it's in like odd time signature. And um, in terms of the sounds they were using, I would say that's that's a record everybody needs to be up on for sure. Cesar Mariano, yeah, pianist, yeah, Brazil. Sao Paulo, Brazil is the name of it, yeah. And it's it's on iTunes now. It wasn't for a while, so people need to just go ahead and cop that. Taylor, thank you very much. Thank you. All the best, man. <laughs>